Welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. Jesus says, come to me all who, are lab- who have labor and are heavy laden. That's his criteria. Come to me if you labor, meaning the burdens that we put on ourselves, the work that we put on ourselves, or heavy laden. That means the burdens that others have placed on you. So if you put a burden on yourself, or someone else has put a burden on you, you're carrying something that you have, or someone you're helping someone carry something. Either way, Jesus says, come to me, and I will help you. Jesus instructs us to come, and then he says to take. It says, take the yoke. What does that mean? A yoke is a wooden frame that joins two animals together to carry a heavy load. And typically, if it was a new animal, they would pair him with a more experienced, stronger animal to help guide them. Aren't you thankful that Jesus says, come to me, yoke yourself to me. I can't think of anyone else I'd want to be yoked to that would be stronger, wiser to help guide me than Jesus in carrying a load. Notice he didn't say, I'll take it away. You won't have to worry about it. But he says, I will come alongside you and I will carry that burden with you. You will find rest for your souls. There's an invitation for rest for your souls. And I think it's intentional that Jesus teaches this right here. Because the next chapter, we see him have a run-in with his friends, the Pharisees. We're going to move on to Matthew 12, right after Matthew 11, right after those last three verses. Let's read Matthew 12, 1 through 8. It says, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? And those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests." Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath." Here we see the first time that Jesus addresses the issue of the Sabbath with the Pharisees. Remember the Pharisees, these are the religious leaders. They come accusing Jesus and his disciples. And let me explain what's happening because honestly, when I first read this, I thought it looked a little suspicious what the disciples were doing. I'm like, you can't be going through people's yards and just taking stuff like are you are they stealing it actually reminded me if you're a lord of the rings fan it reminded me of like the 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 shire and frodo and then they're just like you know uh mary and pippin they're taking farmer magus all his crops right that's not what this was this is not that type of situation it's actually an old testament law that the disciples were adhering to 
If you look in Deuteronomy 23, it says that you're allowed to go into a neighbor's standing grain and you may pluck the heads with your hand, but you cannot use a sickle on the standing grain. That's exactly what Matthew says, right? It says they were plucking the heads of grain and you're allowed to do that. You can't chop the whole crop down, but you can, take a, you can pluck the head. So first of all, they're, they're not doing anything wrong. They're not stealing. And then the Pharisees challenge them on the point that they're working on the Sabbath. And I love Jesus. He decides to give them a history lesson. He says, did you not remember what David did? So David in 1 Samuel 21, back then David and his men, they were on a mission. And they were hungry. They had no food. So they go to the priests. And they're like, we don't have any food, but we have the bread of the presence. And they gave it to them. It was the holy bread. You're not supposed to eat that. By the way, I, I just noticed this when I was researching my message. This is two weeks in a row I've talked about bread. I don't know if I'm hungry while I'm preaching. I don't know if that's for you. You need to eat some bread by, by the end of the day. But just so you know, pray about it. Think about it and see what you're supposed to do with that. But in normal circumstances, this would have been wrong for David to do. You know, if he had just had lunch, he's like, you know what? I'm going to eat the, the bread of the presence as well. That would have been wrong in normal circumstances based on the law. The disciples should not have been doing this on the Sabbath, but after Jesus asked the Pharisees a question, notice he follows it up with a statement to show you one difference. I'm going to show you because in Matthew is one account, Matthew 12, but Mark 2 has the same account. And there's one thing added in Mark 2 that I want to show you. Read Mark 2, 27. Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath meaning the Sabbath is for your benefit. Number two this morning, rest is designed for you. You were not designed to follow the Sabbath. The Sabbath was designed to bless you. Jesus is showing us through this history of the Old Testament, as well as the example in the New Testament, that human need is more important than religious rituals. Okay? The point of the Sabbath is to bless you and help you. It doesn't help you if you're at home and you're stuck with no food to say, well, you can't go to the grocery store. That would defeat the purpose of what the Sabbath is supposed to do for you. Jesus is saying human needs are above religious traditions. Is anybody with me this morning? Just make sure you're getting that. The Sabbath was made for you. Just like last week, we said his best is in his rest not meant to penalize you. It's meant to bless you. The Sabbath was created for you. Go turn to your neighbor. Say the Sabbath was created for you. Turn to the other person that you neglected and say also the Sabbath is meant for you. It is in your best interest to rest. God always does what is in our best interest. Amen. And when Jesus came to help clarify what the commands are, I'm so thankful that he came to, to clarify what he meant. Jesus came and explained that man's not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is made for man. Jesus explained, yeah, you're not supposed to commit adultery, but also don't look to lust after somebody. Why? Because looking at somebody will cause you to lust and have the opportunity to commit adultery. It also is why he said, yeah, don't murder someone, but also don't have hate and anger and malice in your heart. Why? 
Because potentially anger, malice in your heart can rise up and cause you to have a desire to murder someone. Jesus explained that the heart issue is where you have to start before you address the actions. And anytime that Jesus explains these commands that were set centuries ago, he also took a moment to explain the heart behind them. And it was always for our benefit. In fact, if we don't rest, if we don't take a moment like we're supposed to, sometimes our body will force us to. You know, when we're overworked, we're staying up too late, we're eating poorly, all those things catch up to you. So you can either rest proactively or your body will sometimes shut you down, make you feel sick in order to force you to get the rest that you need. I don't know about you, but I'd rather rest proactively and enjoy the rest instead of being forced to rest and be sick because that is no fun. God wants sustainability and longevity for you. Let's move on to the, to the next time where we see Jesus talking about the Sabbath. Look at John chapter 5. Jesus, he came across a man who could not walk in Bethesda. Read with me from John chapter 5, verse 5. It says, one man was there who had been invalid for 38 years, meaning he could not walk. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see you are well, sin no more that nothing worse happened to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I am working. A few things I want to point out in this passage. First of all, and this is not a point that ties into rest or the Sabbath, but I thought it was important to look at. Jesus asked the man if he wants to be healed. Simple yes or no question, right? But the man was focusing on the way in which he could be healed. The method through which he could be healed. The method through which he could get his life back. That he didn't stop to realize that there could be another way. I want to remind you this morning that God can move through any method. I think it's intentional that Jesus would heal through many different ways. I think it's intentional that God provided multiple different ways for the children of Israel in the Old Testament. Don't fall in love with a method that you neglect to see God moving in other areas. Because he might provide a job or a house differently than you thought he would. 
He, he might provide a spouse different than you thought he would. He might bring you a friend in a different area than you expected him to bring. You have to be willing to keep your eyes open to see God moving in all areas of your life. Amen? Because when we focus on the method, see, when we think the method is our savior, we think the method is our provision, but Jesus said, you, you don't need that pool over there. You've got the healer right here in front of you. He said, I'm the one that blesses the method. You know, I, I'm the one that can bless that person. I'm the one that can cause the waters to heal. I'm the one that caused the, the spit on your eyes to heal. I'm the one that can pull back the waters, and I can also crash them on your enemies. I'm the one. Don't get in love with a method when you follow the Savior. Am I preaching this morning? Is that okay? Don't focus on a system. Focus on the Savior. Don't focus on a process. Focus on the protector. He never runs out of methods. He is an incredibly creative God. The method can change, but his provision's not going to. Jesus made the means this time very simple. He said, let's, you know, let's just bypass that pool. Why don't you just stand up and take your bed and walk? Now that day was unfortunately for some men, it was the Sabbath. And the Sabbath police came and they charged him with taking his bed. Think about that. Think about that. This man is in, in trouble <laughs> for picking up his bed. He's like, I... I don't know if you realize this, I just began to walk for the first time in over three decades, and you're upset at me because I'm carrying a bed. Third point this morning is that rest and love will always coexist. What do I mean by that? Imagine being more concerned with a rule than a healing. Again, the man has the ability to walk, and, and they have a problem with the technicality that it was on the wrong day of the week that he received his healing. Church, can we be careful to always be people of love and compassion first? Let's not judge first. Let's always expect the best of people. Let's always have love and compassion first. Jesus said that his first two commandments... Before he got into the rest of it, he said the first two commandments, the most important commandments, are that you love the Lord your God and that you love your neighbor. If we do those two things right, we can do a lot of things right. And then read the last two verses of that passage, getting back to the issue of the Sabbath, verses 16 and 17. It says, and this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I am working. My father's working, and I am working. I want to clarify what I believe this means. Remember back to Genesis, God rested on the seventh day. He rested from his work, but yet he was always sustaining, right? That he was always sustaining the universe that he created. He still ruled over the dominion that he made. Nothing could happen on that seventh day that God wouldn't know about, that God wouldn't be able to, to take in charge of. And Jesus was so good when he was on earth at, at balancing his life of rest and work. Jesus did an exceptional job. That There are many times where Jesus would actually withdraw from the crowd. In fact, if you look back at that passage, John 5, verse 13, it says he withdrew from the crowd. 
He knew when there were moments that it was not his time to preach, but it was his time to get away and to pray and to rest. But at the same time, Jesus was never going to take a break from loving people and showing them compassion. We need to take time to strengthen and refresh ourselves, but we have an everyday responsibility in this world as Christians until we go to heaven to have love and compassion. We're supposed to daily love the Lord and love each other. We don't take a day off from that, right? Imagine how well it would go for me if I told Shannon, I was like, well, it's my day off. I have no husband responsibilities. You're on your own today. That would not go well. You would need to visit me in the hospital, okay? <laughs> right? We can experience rest and show love at the same time. Those two things coexist. Let's move over to Hebrews as we get ready to close here. As we close down the series, we're going to take Hebrews chapter 4, and we're going to take these, uh, it's like 10 or 11 verses, little by little. There's a lot going on in here. So we're going to take it just a couple verses at a time. Read verse 1 and 2 with me. It says, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. The writer of Hebrews is talking about the ultimate rest. In this passage, you can have rest in a day, but our last point, number four, rest is greater than a day. Rest is more than just a day off. Rest is a person. We talked earlier about the invitation, come to me, I will give you rest. And here in verse 1 and 2, he talks about the promise of God's rest. We enter rest and we benefit of rest through faith. It says you have to be united in faith to hear. Other versions actually, instead of saying united, they say mixed. You're hearing mixed with faith. The good news of the gospel received with faith is meant to give us the greatest sense of rest that we can hope for. Because we live in the confidence that Jesus is with us now and that we are also receiving eternal rest. But the author is suggesting that we can't have rest if we don't have faith. And I was reading some commentators and I, and I found I found this old Puritan commentator, John Owen. He described there's five features of rest for the believer in this passage. Bring them up. Number one, rest means peace with God. How many are thankful for peace with God, right? That is most important to be at peace with God. Number two, it says freedom from a servile, bondage-like spirit. What does that mean? That means there is freedom from the feeling that you have to please everyone. Who are the people pleasers in the room? You can't please everyone. You just can't. You have to be at peace with that and at rest with that. Number three, rest means deliverance from the burden of Mosaic observance. We've been talking about that a lot, right? We're saying it's, it's not a sin if you break the Sabbath. It's for your best to rest as much as you can. But we're not into the technicality. We're not into the religious traditions. Number four, rest means the freedom of worship. 
I'm so thankful we have the freedom to worship in this country. I'm so thankful we had time this morning. I thought we had a great time in worship. We have the freedom to lift our hands, to sing, to clap our hands, to rejoice in who God is and what he's done for us. Number five, rest means the rest that God himself enjoys. Think about that. We can receive the same rest that God blessed and sanctified on day seven of the world. Let's read on after that. Hebrews 4, verses 3 through 5. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, they shall enter my rest. All right, we're going to pause because this is where it can be a little bit confusing. That's why I'm going to break into small pieces. The author is referencing here Psalm 95 when he talks about wrath. He's got a quotation mark there. He's talking about how the Exodus generation could not enter God's rest because of their disobedience and their wandering in the wilderness. God is saying, I've given them rest since the beginning of time. And when I rested on the seventh day, I blessed it and I sanctified the rest. But disobedience keeps us from our rest. Okay, you with me? Let's move on. Let me show you what happens next. Verses 6 through 8. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day. Today, saying through David, so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. It continues this theme of disobedience that caused a failure to enter rest. And I think it's interesting that they, the author mentions Joshua. We know Joshua, he, he was not able to give them rest. They wandered the wilderness. They then entered the promised land. And they were there for so long. But scholars suggest that Joshua's name is actually brought up. Because his name in Greek is actually the same name as the word Jesus in Greek. I think there's a reason that Joshua is mentioned here because the author is contrasting Joshua and his attempt to bring rest and comparing it to Jesus who came to bring rest in this day and rest for eternity. Jesus came to bring the rest that Joshua could not. You know, Joshua brought his people into the promised land, but yet for the rest of their day, they would continue to war and struggle in order to receive rest. But through Jesus, we have the promise of rest today and in eternity. Worship team, you can come join me. Let's read the last three verses of this passage this morning. Verses 9 through 11. It says, So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. 
Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. There remains, there's still a Sabbath rest for God's people. And I love how it says to strive to enter that rest. Sometimes when we hear the word strive, we get this bad connotation. Like we're striving, we're forcing, we're trying to do it on our own. That's not what it means here. Here, striving means persevering. It means persevering to continue to follow God and be obedient to Him. It's saying, don't be like the disobedient Exodus generation, but instead have faith in God so that we can enter His rest. Would you stand with me this morning as we close? Rest is greater than a day. Rest is a person. You can find rest today through your faith in Jesus Christ. I believe we want to take a moment and Jesus wants to lift some loads that people have been struggling with. You've been trying to carry some things on your own and you're not meant to do life alone. I want to close similar to how we did last time and I want us to take a moment and engage God and worship. I asked the team to, to play a specific song. It's called Take a Moment. Simply take a moment to remember who God is and who I am. Remember who God is and that I have finite. I'm not unlimited in my capabilities. I can only do so much. And if you've been coming here, and, you know, we can lift our hands in worship. We can sing. We can read along in the Bible. We can do all these things and not have a personal relationship with Jesus. Friends, I, I can do some things to help you and, and show you some things in the Bible, but I cannot bring you personal rest. I can't be your hope. There's only one person that can give you that rest, and it's Jesus. I want to pray with you, and then we're going to worship. Would you bow your heads at this time? Let's pray. Before we get into this prayer, as your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, if you're here, you've been coming, and, but you've yet to accept Jesus, I don't want this opportunity to pass without giving you a moment. Again, He is the only one that can give you that rest. He can satisfy the needs of your heart. So again, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, I just want to keep you in mind in my prayer. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you specifically haven't received Jesus before or you've walked away from his presence and you need that rest and the chaos of your life, if that's you, give you a chance to slip up your hand. Okay. Alright, let's pray together. God, we thank you this morning for this time to worship you and to get into your word. I thank you that you have personally invited each one of us. You've said, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. We are going to come to you this morning to rest. Your word says under the shadow of your wings, we can find rest. I pray that you would help us, guide us, remind us that rest is for our benefit, that we can rest in love simultaneously, that we can rest in you, Jesus. We take this time to worship you. In your name we pray, amen.
at church. Let's worship for a few minutes before we close this morning. Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.